The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, May 28th, the At Home with Elmo edition. I'm Dan Coyce. I'm a writer at Slate. I'm the author of the book, How to Be a Family, and I'm the dad to Lyra, who's 15, and Harper, who's 12. Hi, I'm Jamila Lemieux. I'm a writer and contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and I'm mom to Naima, who is seven, oh, almost at six, and we live in Los Angeles, California. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three boys, Henry, eight, Oliver, six, and Teddy, three, and I'm located in Navarre, Florida. This week, we've got a very special guest for our All Ages Everyone is Fighting Now segment, an extremely beloved furry red monster who many of your kids have grown up with. I mean, at this point, many parents have grown up with him, too. It is Elmo. We'll talk to Elmo about his new talk show, The Not Too Late Show, and how life at home is going for him and his family. That'll be our first segment today, so parents who would like your kids to listen in will put a timestamp in the show notes. We'll also answer a listener question from a mom who is worried that her wallflower preschooler is enjoying staying at home just a little too much. As always, we'll have triumphs and fails and recommendations. Let's start with triumphs and fails. Hey, Jamila, do you have a triumph or a fail for us this week? I have a triumph. And I think that Dan and Elizabeth know what my triumph is because I was... Oh, I'm very excited. I I couldn't wait and I sent them a picture. Uh, My triumph (laughs) is that on Friday... I became the owner of a car. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Not just any car. Not just any car. I have a cool car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to do this. I have a 2014 Mustang. Convertible. Perfect. I'm varying the lead. I have a Mustang convertible. Over the moon excited. I'd never driven a convertible until Mother's Day weekend, and I rented one from Get Around, which is kind of like an Airbnb for cars. If it's in your area and you need to rent a car short term, it's kind of cool, and you just go and you pick it up off the street, essentially, and it changed my life. It was a bit newer. Um, it was late model one, and so I was a little worried that I'd be totally spoiled and that any of the cars in my price range would suck after that because I didn't want to get a car note. I wanted to buy something in cash, and... I did know that I needed a convertible after having that experience. Like, I have so little pleasure living in the suburbs, away from most of my friends and family, in the middle of a quarantine, at the very least being able to drop my top riding down the street in L.A. gives me a little bit of joy. People who think convertibles are corny have never ridden in a convertible. They haven't. Because there's, like, nothing There's nothing better. Regular cars don't feel right anymore. It's Even when I have the top up, the only time I want the top up is if I'm too cold. (laughs) You know? And I'm sure that people probably look at me like, okay, girl, we get it. It's it's convertible. Like, welcome to LA. Everybody has one. But, like, I had to drive a regular car afterwards, and I was not okay. And so I decided that I was going to get a convertible, and I found one in my price range, maybe a slight, a little tiny bit more than I wanted to pay It was white. I don't like white cars. And it had cloth seats, which I'm not so fancy, but my child is a child. So I was worried about her making a mess. In fact, in the last rental car that I had her in last week, you know, I took her to get an Italian ice. I begged her not to make a mess. And, you know, five minutes into the ride, I hear, oh, no. (laughs) And so there wasn't the best omen, you know, it's, and this was after I'd already put down a deposit on this car with, you know, cloth seats. And I said, Naima, you're not going to get to eat mommy's car like this. I just hope you know that. <laughs> and so on Friday morning, I was going to go pick up the car that evening. 
I get a call from another dealership and he says, you know, you'd inquired about Mustang. Are you still looking? And he had one that had slightly more mileage on it, but it was silver. It had the premium package, which meant it had leather seats. It was in my price range. It ended up costing a little bit less than the other one. And so I went Congratulations. And I so I have a car. Yay! I'm a person with a car. Is your California bucket list complete now? Are you completely California <laughs> now? Is that? <laughs> Let's see. Let's go. Look. Yoga, crystals. You were running? Weed, car. I went running. I have to run a few more times to prove that I'm actually a runner because so far it's only been the one. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I have to dabble. I've been, I do more meatless days here than I did in New York, but I did them back there too. I think it will be when I try and fail to go vegan that I will finally (laughs) have my full California merit badge stash all filled up. It's impossible for anyone to become fully Californian right now because you can't do lunch. But (laughs) once this is all over, you'll be able to knock that one off. That is true. Congratulations, Jamila. We're delighted for you. Thank you. Can't wait to ride in that convertible when we come visit you in California. Lyra will get to do it first when we just send her to Camp Jamila. Cannot wait. Elizabeth, how about you? Triumph or fail this week? I have a triumph for me. Jeff would probably beg to differ. But I feel like when Jeff started working from home, we like kind of raced to put together a solution of where he could work and like how the kids could be here at the same time. And last week, we kind of discovered that this is going to be a more permanent situation where he's on these like rotations. And so he's going to be home for like two weeks, and then back in the office some for two weeks and kind of alternating the schedule. So we just kind of sat down and thought about like how this would work in the house. And we had like a desk in the guest room, but the internet doesn't go there. And we don't have any cell signal at our house, just kind of a nightmare. So anyway, we ended up moving all of the Legos out of this room that I record in into the guest room, kind of packing the guest room up, thinking we're probably not going to have guests, doing this massive overhaul that somehow involved building shelves and all sorts of things. That's the part that Jeff had to do. But now we have kind of had a couple days of adjusting to the new flow of the house and different spaces that we have. The whole thing also involves somehow building a treehouse because while the shelves were being built, the boys (laughs) thought it was a treehouse. So of course, my amazing husband was like, oh yeah, we could build a treehouse. So just sort of adjusting the space that we have to conform to a new reality And the way our house is set up now, kind of like all the kids stuff is on one side, the like more adult stuff is on the other side, the homeschool rooms in the middle. And that just has sort of enabled us to give Jeff a quiet space to work or me a quiet space to work and also like let the kids still have their space. So I don't know, it feels like now a triumph. Of course, they also have the treehouse. It's a million degrees here, but they have a treehouse outside too. So I feel like just adjusting to the situation and being able to say, like, this is not how we had intended things when we set up our house, but it is kind of our new reality and we need to make some changes to make that work. Every time you tell a story of <laughs> Jeff just like whipping up a treehouse <laughs> or whatever, I feel like Alia listens to this podcast <laughs> and looks at me and goes, What do you make again? Oh, you make words? That's great. Now, listen, he doesn't do it happily. (laughs) So (laughs) I always say, you know, I would love this if it was being done with a happy heart. (laughs) And he says, yeah, but it's getting done. I'm like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on the other hand, Alia doesn't build shit either. Exactly. So, you know, I'm very thankful that he's so crafty and able to be talked into massive projects. (laughs) So, And we had everything we needed somehow in the garage. (laughs) to build these things which is also i don't know where it came from yeah (laughs) no it's because of jeff yeah that fucking guy (laughs) oh all right i also have a triumph 
this week. We have our rare three triumph weeks on a mom and dad are fighting. I love it. So I have been looking for some kind of like creative project to do with Lyra. You know, for a while, the book in a way was a creative project that we did together because she was just very involved in that. I mean, honestly, probably more than anyone else in the family. She read she read it several times and gave me a bunch of notes and wrote chunks of it. She wrote more of it than anyone else in the family did besides me. And she like really viewed that as something that she was contributing to. And it was really fun to work on that with her and to have that thing that we were doing together. But then that ended, and I had just been thinking it would be fun to have some similar, like, creative thing that we were doing together. And last fall, we talked a little bit about whether it would be fun to make a podcast together. She said, oh, yeah, that would be fun. But she didn't, like, chase it. And from time to time, after that, I would mention it to her, and she'd say, oh, yeah, that sounds fun. And maybe we would bat a couple of ideas back and forth. But she wouldn't, like, leap at it or anything. And I really wanted to push her because I wanted to do this thing. And I thought it was a good idea. But I also worried that pushing her would just, like, push her away from the concept. And I think I was probably right. Uh, But anyways, the triumph is that after months and months and months and months of very, very slow discussion about it, we have finally finished the first episode of our podcast. It is a film podcast where each episode we discuss two movies. One is a movie that she chooses for me to watch, and one is a movie that I choose for her to watch. And I'm sure that I will release it, whatever, to the world at some point. I think Lyra really wants me to. But mostly I feel like it's a triumph because she really liked doing it. She really liked the process. She liked planning it. She liked figuring out what it should be. She liked talking with me. And she, I think, really likes the end result, which I edited and she listened to and gave notes on. And now she's pretty fired up to make more of them. So I'm proud that we made this thing, but I'm also proud of myself for taking it easy in dealing with it with her, because I'm definitely a person who goes from zero to 60 on an idea really fast. Like (laughs) when I thought, oh, I should make Ace of Hates America's favorite family card game. I like filed for a trademark the next day. (laughs) So I think in this case, I did this right, even though it just killed me to let her come at the idea at her own speed. But I'm really proud of myself for doing that. There are so many times you can apply that, I think, to parenting, like waiting for them to come to you. It's like, you it's know, so you frustrating. Dog. <laughs> so you're supposed to wait for the dog to come to you. <laughs> it is frustrating. But like when they come and they have the buy in, right, then they're willing to put up with more of the frustrations. Yes. Are you going to make her do some of the edits down the line? I would like her to learn how to edit. Yeah. yeah, that would be good for her to learn how to do. Yeah. Editing me and Lyra on a podcast really made me feel for Rosie, our producer who has to edit yeah. our insane <laughs> tra- podcast because of the number of uhs I had to edit out and the number of times I do this. I make that noise a trillion times. And going through and editing all of them out, I was like, oh, this is just awful. I'm so sorry that I make you listen to this every week, Rosie. Big ups for Rosie Belson, yeah. <laughs> producer extraordinaire. Her triumph every week is that she deals with us. All right, before we move on, let's talk some business. Slate's parenting newsletter is the best place to hear all about all our parenting content, including this very show, Karen Feeding, starring Jamila Lemieux, and much, much more. Sign up for it at slate.com slash parenting email. It's also just uh, an email from me. This week, I haven't even written the email yet this week, but I promise it's going to be filled with something incredibly embarrassing that I do. Sign up, slate.com slash parenting email. 
also join us on Facebook. Just search for Slate Parenting over there. It's a very fun, very active community, something like 15,000 members now. We moderate it so it doesn't get out of control. Tons of great discussions and commentary. You often will end up talking to Slate writers about projects that they're working on. It's a really great place. We like it a lot. Check it out. Also on Facebook, every Tuesday at 11 Eastern, we have a live Karen Feeding show with Nicole Cliff. To catch it live, go to Slate's Facebook page or find it on the Slate Parenting Facebook page, and you can find previous episodes on Slate's YouTube page. In Slate Plus today, we will be talking about emergency paid leave, which I've been taking for the last six weeks here at Slate, and how it impacts families and how you can get in on this deal if you're eligible for it. Here's a quick sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. I guess this isn't a solution that perhaps parents of teenagers would immediately think applies to them. It doesn't matter how old your children are. Right. The limit is 14. So it sort of works the way that if you have used a dependent care plan with your insurance company where you get reimbursed for certain kinds of dependent care, those end at age 14. And this is basically the same. So if kids up to age 13 are covered under this, if the usual thing that they are doing during the workday is not available to them. To hear segments like that and to get ad-free podcasts, sign up for Slate Plus. It's just $35 for your first year. You've probably heard through the grapevine that plenty of media companies are having a hard time right now. They're shedding staff. They're cutting back on what they're able to do. Some of them have just closed up shop entirely. Slate has managed to withstand a lot of that stuff, and we haven't laid anyone off. But we're struggling just like everyone else's. And one of the reasons that we've been able to survive is because of the direct support of people who are members of Slate+. Plus. That membership helps us make the journalism that we make, helps us record our podcasts, helps us do the important stuff and the silly stuff, all of which makes up what Slate.com is. If you sign up for Slate Plus, you will get ad-free podcasts, of course, here on Mom and Dad Are Fighting, plus other lesser podcasts. You'll also be able to get bonus segments on this podcast and other lesser podcasts, and you'll never hit a paywall on the site so you can enjoy all of Slate's journalism without worrying if you've reached your article limit. So... Support mom and dad are fighting, support Slate and all we do, please go to slate.com slash mom and dad plus and join Slate Plus today. All right, let's move on to our first segment. I'm really excited about our guest today for our all ages, everyone is fighting now segment. You and your kids know him and love him coming to us from his home on Sesame Street where he's been hanging out with his mom and dad. It's Elmo. Hello, Elmo. (laughs) Hi, Dan. Hi, Jamila. Hi, Elizabeth. Hey, Elmo. Such a pleasure to have you on the show. So we want to talk to you, Elmo, about this talk show that you're hosting. What is it like to host your own talk show? Boy, it's pretty cool. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Elmo has a show called The Not Too Late Show with Elmo. Yeah, and, um, you know, Elmo really likes to make people laugh. And, you know, Elmo loves putting on a show. So that's what we do. We play games. Oh, and we have guests like, uh, like the Jonas Brothers and Lil Nas X. Sierra, lots of great people. That sounds so fun. Elizabeth, I believe your kids have called in with a few questions for Elmo, too. Do you have a bunch of friends that help you with the show? Yes. Yeah, you know, everybody on Sesame Street helps with the show. Yeah, so Cookie Monster is Elmo's co-host. And Rosita is what is called a stage manager. So she kind of helps stuff around the show. And Abby is the head writer. Yeah, we have a lot of people helping out. We're cooperating. I love that. Elmo, one of my other kids wanted to know, do your parents let you stay up after your bedtime to make it? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, um, well, actually, the show, um, we do the show right before Elmo's bedtime. So Elmo's bedtime is 7.30, so we do the show at 7, and then Elmo gets ready for bed, and then Elmo goes to sleep. That sounds perfect. It's a good way to end the day. Yeah, it's part of your bedtime routine as well. That's right. Elmo, my daughter had a question for you, too. I hear you're making a new talk show that's so cool. Sometimes funny things happen when me and my brother make news. Do funny things ever happen when you're making your talk show? Oh, well, we do a lot of laughing, too. Yeah, funny stuff happens all the time. Cookie Monster's really funny. Oh, we had John Mulaney do a tricycle race with Elmo. And it was really funny because he's very tall. And he was on a tricycle, which was very little. And it was very funny. Amazing. Elmo, I'm so curious about what life is like for you at home right now. I think a lot of people are are launching fun projects and stuff because they're at home so much right now, like your new talk show. And Elizabeth, one of your sons has a question about that. Elmo, did you send any cookies to Cookie Monster? Do you miss him? Yeah, you know, um, Elmo really misses Cookie and, and Abby and Big Bird and everybody. But you know what we do to see each other? We have video play dates. Yeah, so Elmo's mommy and daddy set up a camera so Elmo can see everybody and play games with them. Yeah, and we do lots of games and we sing songs. And yes, it's funny you mention that because Elmo is helping his mommy make some cookies today and we're going to send them to Cookie Monster. That's so great. So Cookie Monster, you're sending him cookies and you're doing play dates. What are you hearing from all your friends? Like, is Oscar the happiest that he's ever been since no one's ever visiting him now? Yeah, nobody's nobody's around to bother him. He's having a great time. <laughs> he knows all about quarantine. He never leaves that camp. <laughs> He's the, the the original social distancer, Oscar the Grouch. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so since things are kind of different right now, what do you do when you're feeling down or frustrated, Elmo? Yeah, it can be hard sometimes, right? But you know, whenever Elmo's feeling sort of sad or worried, Elmo likes to give his mom or dad a big hug. And Elmo tells them about his feelings, and that helps a lot. Elmo, you mentioned that you were baking cookies with your mom. Are you doing anything else to help your parents around the house? Yeah, Elmo's doing lots of chores. Yeah, Elmo's trying to make sure that the house stays clean, because, you know, Elmo likes to play with his toys and stuff, and sometimes Elmo forgets and kind of leaves stuff around, and... Elmo's mommy steps on it, and that hurts. So Elmo's trying to put his toys away and help set up the table. Sometimes it's hard, but Elmo's trying. What are you doing when you miss your teachers and your friends from school? Are there ways that you're making your home life sort of connect to your school? Yeah, Elmo does kind of miss going to school because Elmo loves school. But, you know, there's lots of ways to play and learn at home, too. So Elmo's mommy and daddy are reading a lot of books to Elmo. Um, oh, we have scavenger hunts around the house. We have a lot of fun, and, and Elmo tries to learn as much as possible. All right. Well, thank you very much, Elmo. We really liked having you on the show, and I'm really excited about your talk show and all the fun friends who you have working on it with you. Oh, thank you, everybody. It was wonderful talking to you. Thank you, Elmo. Say Bye, hi to Elmo. everyone on Sesame Street. Elmo will. Elmo loves you all. See you later. All right. Well, that just couldn't have been sweeter. It's amazing. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. 
And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Parents, we thought you might like to have a little bit more background and context for the Not So Late show. So we've invited Autumn Zatani, who is a curriculum producer with Sesame Street and the Not Too Late show. Hi, Autumn. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. You sound like you have the most fun job in the world. (laughs) But tell us a little bit, um, just basically how this new show is different from Sesame Street. Yes. Well, what's fantastic about the show is that it's really designed for families for this amazing co-viewing experience where parents can watch it with their preschoolers and then the preschooler siblings and so on. And that is designed to watch before bedtime. So pretty much, you know, making that part of your bedtime routine while Elmo is also going through his bedtime routine. So you'll see throughout the show that he may have to zip off to go put on his pajamas or to brush his teeth or to go brush his fur. We talk about what are some things that you might be thankful for before bedtime. So there are all these great moments that we can model for the kids at home but also having this really fun experience for the whole family. So a lot of jokes, a lot of games. You know, we have a lot of great actors and actresses and celebrities that come on and sing songs and have competitions and those sorts of things. And kids can play at home as well, which is fantastic. So it becomes a little bit interactive. But it's great that it's a broader audience than just regular Sesame Street. So it's fantastic and families get to be together. And, you know, right now it seems like routines are more important than ever. And so this is kind of fitting perfectly into everybody's new nighttime routine. Autumn, what are you hoping the kids learn from this new show? What's great is definitely picking up on the bedtime routines, which is fantastic. There's a lot of self-control that they're learning along the way with Cookie Monster, especially. There's a a little bit with, uh, you know, letters and numbers, but mostly it's about spending time with the family, honestly. You know, it's how you can sit down and have this great viewing experience. Bedtime routine is the main curriculum for the segment. So, you know, and having that weaved through so naturally. So, you know, for kids sometimes with Sesame Street, you know, everything's fun and playing that we get to teach kids without being so overt about it. And it's really just becomes a play experience for them. 
How do we find the show? Like, where can we watch it? What time? Oh, that's great. It's on, it'll be on HBO Max. I know that they will be launching with three episodes and then rolling out with one episode a week after that. Because it's on HBO Max, you can turn it on when it's convenient in your kids' bedtime. Exactly, exactly. It's awesome. Yeah. So the idea being, you know, we kept trying to debate like, well, what is Elmo's bedtime? You know, when do we think <laughs> Elmo goes to bed? You know, so we think like, you know, seven o'clock feels like that sweet spot for preschoolers, you know, when you're starting that routine, you know, it gives ideas too, like to go on to go sing a lullaby, or maybe you can talk about what you're thankful before you go to bed. Um, you know, and it kind of winds kids down at the end. Elma always sings this really sweet lullaby song before he goes in his own bed and goes to sleep and says goodnight to his teddy bear radar. So kind of we'll start their routine too. Do Elmo's cool hipster parents appear on the show? <laughs> Is that because of Louis' goatee? I'm a big fan of Louis' goatee, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like a really cool jazz musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will see them. And then uh, what's really sweet is that sometimes, you know, Louie will poke his head through the curtain and, and remind Elmo that he needs to do a part of his bedtime routine or, you know, maybe pentatonics may have just helped him wash the dishes, you know, <laughs> gives them a shout out. Yeah, it's these cute little like Easter egg moments of that, you know, that, you know, Elmo just left his kitchen to go put on his show and he goes through this curtain and behind that curtain is this whole studio with a studio audience and a house band. It's nice that we still connect it back to Sesame Street and back to that, you know, his parents are right there behind the curtain. Is this available now? It's scheduled to launch on the 27th. So you can stream the first three episodes now. That's so great. Thanks, Autumn. Uh, now, you, through your job and everything you do, you know a lot about early childhood development. You think a lot about it. So we were hoping you would stick around for this listener question, if that's okay. Yes, absolutely. All right, let's hear it. It's being read by the one and only Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, we are weeks into quarantine at home with our four-and-a-half-year-old preschooler. She does not mind at all that we are home all the time. I asked her if she wants to FaceTime with any of her friends, and she declined. When we did a FaceTime with her friend, she quickly got bored and walked away to play with her dolls. I've always seen a lot of my personality in her. I never needed much to entertain myself growing up. My older sibling and I sometimes played together, but mostly I played independently. My mom recalls an entire summer when I sat on the couch and read. I'm wondering if I should be concerned that this extended time at home will make her more of a homebody, or is this temporary? Jamila, why don't you take this one first? Of course, I can't say that I'm an expert uh, in this regard. This is the first quarantine that I've lived through. But I would hope that if this little sweet person already has an inclination to be a homebody, that she is experiencing less of a disruption, less discomfort perhaps right now than a lot of kids that are completely going bonkers, not having the access to their friends and some of the places that they would typically go to if the world were functioning normally. So I think it's great that you all have encouraged her to FaceTime with friends and that you should continue to try and do that. But don't, you know, constantly force it on her. If she's enjoying what's going on right now, allow her to have her peace because 
for so many uh, children and adults. Peace is very difficult to access right now. There obviously there are things that you can do outside of the house uh, safely in your community, uh, depending on where you live from perhaps going to a park where you're able to socially distance and have some time outdoors or taking a trip to the beach, unless you live somewhere like LA where people are treating the beaches as if everything is a-okay and they can just hang out and have a volleyball game. But I wouldn't fret too much over this. I mean, I, I think the greater concern would be if you were to see her behavior change drastically and for her to seem less content and less peaceful with the way things are than she seems to. What do you think, Autumn? Yeah. I mean, Jamila, I I really love your perspective because you're right. Like some kids right now are going through some really, really big feelings and it is really tough to be home and to not be seeing your friends and you're hearing no a lot and it's scary. There's a lot of scary things going on that they might not understand, especially at four and a half, you know, the preschool level. So, you know, the fact that she's home and she's happy and she's safe and she's enjoying herself, you know, we, we've been talking about too, that, you know, some kids really are just living their best life right now (laughs) because like they get their parents all the time. Whereas, you know, if you have come from a home where you might have two parents working or one parent working and, you know, you're not able to spend as much time or you don't have dinner time together or breakfast, you know, those types of things, you're not getting to do your daily, you know, like, hey, let's make lunch together or like two in the afternoon, you're playing a scavenger hunt, you know. Now kids are having these opportunities and they're like, this is fantastic. I'm getting tons of attention. Um, You know, I get to be home. Maybe I get to, you know, I get to do what I want a little bit more than I might have before. And so I think the thing to be more not concerned about, but I think we have the ability now to plan ahead for what the next transition is going to be like. You know, when this all started, it, it happened so fast. And so, you know, routines were disrupted really quickly. You know, the transitions were really fast. Kids had to get used to being at home and what homeschooling might look like and those types of things. But now, you know, there will be some transition time that you have to plan for. So now that might be when she might be having big feelings because now she might be frustrated that she can't be home all the time or disappointed that she can't stay home and read for hours on end and need to go out, you know, into the world. The good thing, like you said, is that it, it feels like it's a slow progression back out into what our new normal might be like. And, you know, so for now we can go outside and we can go into parks, but you can't congregate in large groups or, you know, I might be able to visit the beach, but you can't spend the whole day there. You know, all communities are different in different states and neighborhoods. I think it's more preparing her for what that will be like little by little and talking about it before it happens and being able to validate those feelings, which is huge, especially at four and a half, giving her the language to be able to express how she's feeling and then validating those feelings, giving her some strategies to deal with what it's going to be like. So I think it's more those things. And also they're going to take the adults in their lives, they're going to take their lead. So she'll take her parents' lead or her mom's lead, you know, how they're reacting to going back into the world or being more social and seeing friends and those types of things. So they're going to be able to help guide her. 
I love the advice you give on transitions because I, one of my three children is very shy and something that has gone back for us is physical therapy. Like we've had to start going back into the office and I noticed that my shy one who is six, just like that first visit was sort of like, okay, this is a lot. And I wish that I had spent a little time saying like, okay, next week we're going to physical therapy and this is what it's going to look like because now we're like, your physical therapist is going to wear a mask and you're not going to have the freedom to move room from room and sort of coaching him back into that. And as a result, that's kind of what we've had to do. You know, it used to be like the whole family went and we waited in the waiting room. Well, now they come out and they get him from the car. Like all of these things have changed. I also noticed with him just providing the opportunity. He's the same way with FaceTime. He doesn't really want to chat with friends or a little bit with grandma and grandpa, but just saying like, this is happening and I'm having this conversation. Do you want to join us? And giving him that opportunity. And even if it's only a couple minutes and praising him for that, you know, like, I'm so glad you wanted to share that because I do think some of that is going to become a new normal in the way we interact and having to introduce that to them FaceTime is super weird. Like they don't get the same feedback. So we have come up with like a couple things. Um, My kids really like it when my parents show them things around their house that like either we left there or that they have. That seems to be my kids want to show them things here. So if my parents can bring a couple things and say like, you left this dog, what was his name? Like that just engages them Mm -hmm. more. Um, And so just encouraging them to do that or like read a short book that we left there to encourage those virtual interactions. But I do think, Jamila, I also liked your advice that like, it's okay to let these kids be who they are and give them the space to be that. And we can encourage them about these transitions, but we don't have to be like everything and super social. And just because they're more introverted now and that opportunity is there than they were in you know, what used to be really an extrovert's world, we don't have to make them an extrovert when they're home. And it's okay to say, you know, the transition back is going to be a little difficult, but we can help them with that and still honor this time here. This is all very good advice that you guys are giving. And there's only one thing that's sort of going unspoken in this letter, and that may not even be an issue in this particular family, which is just that focusing a kid's attention Somewhere outside of the home for some period of time each day gives parents a little bit of breathing room. For this mom, this may not be an issue. She may be perfectly happy with whatever level of interaction she's having with her, it seems like, very self-sustaining daughter. It may not be hard at all. In our family, you know, we have a kid who is not particularly interested in talking to friends or doing that much outside of her introvert life right now. And it works for us because she doesn't make enormous demands on our time. So that doesn't create like an imbalance in the house. And I guess my only question for each of you to think about is in a situation where a parent needs a little more outside help with that kid, just a place outside of her, the mom for that kid's attention to be focused. Is there some gentle way to sort of coach an introverted kid who's perfectly happy just doing stuff with mom or with dad to just expand that worldview, like just a little bit. Yeah. Well, I love that the idea that 
taking her leave, the child's leave. So really taking her interests into account, which will get her excited to do other things. You know, what is it that she might like? And then, you know, capitalizing on that, you know, definitely in the outside world, but on the inside world too, just to go back to what you were saying, FaceTime, Zoom, all of these things is a lot of added, you know, screen time, and they might not be that interested in just talking to their grandparents, you know, and saying hi and trying to conversate and whatnot. But going back to what games can we play? Is there story time with grandma and grandpa that you could possibly do? You know, is there a special kind of reading time at home if that's something that she's super interested in with friends possibly and a video play date kind of scenario? Because I think that is what will get them excited, you know, to be a little bit more social. I mean, this is definitely a time where we have to be more flexible and parents definitely need some time for themselves. So I can completely understand that it's like, Oh, it's, it's nice that she wants to read for a while because then I can go, you know, do what I have to do, but it definitely, there needs to be a balance. I just add that I've worked from home a number of times throughout Naima's life uh, and have brought her to various offices with me many times, perhaps more than the average kid. So she has some context for, and, and the same goes for her father. So she has some context for just because I am physically here does not mean that we are having mommy and Jamila day and that, you know, I'm available to you 100% to just play or to do whatever it is that you want to do. And of course she's seven. So she still struggles with that. And she always has, but just reminding your little person or explaining to them that it may feel kind of like a weekend where we're together. And if you want to ask me a question, you can. That's not something you could typically do if you were at school. You can reach out and touch me. You can see me. You can hear me talking on Zoom calls. But I have to remind you that there are things that mommy or daddy typically do during the day when you're at school that I'm still responsible for doing, even though school is closed. And so The beautiful thing about this period is that I do have more time with you and I can see you more and I can hug you more. The challenging part is that I have to get these things done, whether it's, you know, a stay at home parent who's trying to balance a checkbook or take care of household duties or somebody who's working their job from home with the exact same workload or even a reduced one, which can be incredibly challenging as well, that this stuff has to get done. It's important. This is my job. So The same way that for you going to school or, you know, and and completing your assignment, I know at four and a half, it's unlikely, well, depending on the school, how academically rigorous their curricula might be at this point, but that I have these important responsibilities and, and just know that mommy needing time to do this and asking you to FaceTime with your grandparents or one of your buddies for a few minutes or for you to quietly watch a show while I do this is not me saying that I don't want to spend time with you but simply a matter of me doing the things that I have to do. And that's part of being a grown up. I love that boundary setting and have found that with my kids, um, if I invest a little bit of time at the beginning of play, getting them, I call like getting settled into play, but I don't make any of the decisions of what we're doing. So like if we're going to play trains and we're going to build the track and set stuff up, I spend my time asking questions like, well, what does this train do? What should my train do? That makes it really easy for me to invest this time. The kid feels really empowered by the play because I'm doing what he wants 
And then when I say, I usually set a timer because my kids do really well. So I say like, I have five minutes right now to play just with you. And when the timer goes off, then I need to go complete X, Y, Z. Because I haven't made any decisions about the play, it's really easy for me to extract myself and say, okay, I can't wait to see what happens in Oliverland when I get back and I finish this task. And that allows me to do these like tap-ins where on my schedule, I can poke in and say like, well, what's happening? What has this, you know, train that he assigned me or whatever, what is it doing? And I can do, you know, one minute or two minute here and tap back out. So it's like, they feel like I'm participating in their play, but I'm not so invested that when I leave, the play can't continue. Because if you are the thing that they're chasing or the whatever, and you leave, the game is over. But if you were just a pawn moving pieces and say like, well, what do I say? And then saying the thing, they actually really like that, but it's also easy for you just to leave. So I tend to do a lot of that and can kind of pop into each kid, especially when I'm getting kids settled for quiet time, or I need one kid to play so that I can teach school. That seems to really work for me and buy me some time. And like I said, the timer just works great with my kids. Like I have this amount of time and they also understand that that's going to be focused time on them. Like no phones, no, if the other kids come in, I say like, well, this is my time with Oliver. I'll be with you when the timer goes off and just really investing that time and then being able to to move on and go do other things. So I think there is a way, I, I don't know if that's like, Dan, the outside of kind of the comfort zone that you're talking about, but that certainly buys me time at the house to be able to do things and get work done. Good advice from everyone. Thank you. Thank you, letter writer. Uh, hopefully that helps. Other listeners, if you want us to weigh in on your problem or you have a question for us, send it our way. Email us at slate.com. Thank you, Autumn, for joining us and giving your advice. And thank you for telling us all about the Not Too Late Show. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for having me. All right. The show isn't over yet. It is time for recommendations. Elizabeth, what do you have for us? I am recommending the summer reading program at your local library. And although I think a lot of libraries are shut down or doing some kind of pickup system, I get emails from pretty much every library we've ever belonged to in all of the states we've ever lived in. And they are all doing virtual summer reading programs. Many of them are using a program called Beanstack, which is incredibly easy to use and free to download. But my kids love them because you get little badges as you read hours. All of them are starting uh, around June 1st, so that's coming up. But if you sign up now, you there are virtual prizes, there are badges, all kinds of fun stuff. I think it's a great way to pass the summer. Many of them offer it for adults too, which I always think is a fun way just to track that I'm doing my reading as well. So head over to the Facebook page of your local library and see if they're running a summer reading program virtually. That is a great recommendation. Thank you. Jamila, what about you? So my recommendation uh, for this week is a book from the Help Your Dragon series, specifically Help Your Dragon Deal with Anxiety. And so this is a series of books. I'd say these are ideal for kids that are maybe a little bit younger than Naima. Naima's seven. So I, I wish that I'd had this when she was five or six and we first started seeing signs that she deals with some anxiety, which is something that I live with myself. But it's really adorable and it gives kids some nice coping mechanisms for dealing with feeling insecure and worried and panicked. And it's well illustrated and it's super adorable. And there's a whole series of them. There's Potty Train Your Dragon, The Yoga Dragon, The Mindful Dragon, Teach Your Dragon to Share, 
teach your dragon to follow rules teach your dragon to stop lying so i purchased this adorable little kid's book for my big kid who's a reader and can read chapter books with no pictures all on her own at this point because i still think that um with something like anxiety that is such a complicated concept for a child her age that even though this wasn't intended for someone as sophisticated as she is that I think it may make it a little bit easier for her to understand what she's up against and how she can cope with it. So if you are interested, the book is available via Amazon and a number of other booksellers and you can check out www.mydragonbooks.com and we'll leave that on the show page as well. This is such a great series. We use it and love it. So I think it's such a good recommendation. And Henry even picks them up. I think like the illustrations and everything, even though they can read, don't you feel like it's just so inviting and easy to pick up and look at? Definitely. I love that. All right. Great one. I'm recommending Netflix Party as a way to get your kids doing something social with other kids who they can't see in real life. We have been really you know, pushing our kids over the last month and a half to try and make plans of some kind with friends, even though they can't be with their friends, which is really hard because, you know, sometimes kids have a relationship with their friends such that just like doing a Zoom call or video call works. But I feel like kids these days don't sort of have the like talk on the phone forever training that we once had, and that doesn't always come naturally to them. And it's been hard sometimes to convince them to, like, do something with a person, even though it has to be on a phone or on a computer in some way. But Netflix Party is, like, a really good way to solve that problem for certain kids. And it just basically mirrors the relationship that I had with all of my friends when I was a kid and that a lot of kids have with their friends now, which is you're, like, hanging out watching something together. And Netflix Party, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's just a way for you and another person or other people to be watching the same thing at exactly the same time at Netflix and then to be, like, communicating with each other about that thing, to be joking about it or making fun of it or bonding over it or whatever. And it basically, you know, mirrors the experience of laying together on a couch and watching some crappy TV show, which I think is a formative childhood experience that I I want to make sure my kids still have the chance to have here in 2020. So Netflix party, it's easy to set up and everyone who has Netflix has access to it and uh, check it out. Are you video chatting while you watch? Is that how it works? Uh, There is not a video chat. It's text chat in like a little window on the side of the video. But you can always, if the kids want, they can also, you know, FaceTime with each other on a phone or an iPad while they're watching. Or they can just text chat, which for a lot of kids, especially my kids' age, is like their natural way to communicate. That sounds great. All right. That is our show. One more time, if you've got a question for us, please email us at momanddad at slate.com. You could also leave the question for everyone in the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting on Facebook. We might pluck it out of there to answer it on the show as well. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Jamila Lemieux and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Dan Coyce. Talk to you next time.